morning, we pour out our praise to you. You are good and you're worthy of every good word there is to be said. And even that doesn't seem to, doesn't really seem to cover the extent of your greatness. God, we thank you that in you that we have our life and our breath and our movement and that no matter what circumstances we've found ourselves in here this morning, no matter what we've brought in here with us, that you are still God and you're still sovereign and, and you have something to say to each and every one of us today. We love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and have a, a seat. Uh, I do want to clarify a little bit about the whole, the whole chili thing. I never made chili in my life before. Uh, and I probably never will again. Um, I, uh, we, were, we had just arrived here in Eau Claire, and shortly after that, there was, a, there was a group that was doing, a men's group that was doing a chili cook-off, and thought, wait, what a great way to, to kind of dive in with both feet. Got a couple of guys from the youth group to come over. Russell, you actually lived. You ate it. So I know that I didn't kill anybody with my chili. Um, but I had Russell and Seth Peterson over, and, and uh, we had... Uh, made this chili up and, and we were just crying as uh, we were trying to eat this thing because I don't know that I've ever been that stupid in my life to make something that, that hot. But uh, anyway, it, it, uh, you know, all, all who ate it survived, I think, um, but uh, probably won't be making a chili, uh, but we'll be, we'll be bringing an entry. I mean, I, I plan to break the chili contest this year. Plan on winning with a potato soup, but that's a different story. Anyway, we are, uh, <laughs> if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we are in part three of a, of a series called The Good Life. Uh, if, you're, if you haven't been, don't worry. Um, you can uh, either catch up online, and I'll share a little bit on how to do that in just a second here, um, or I'm, I'm also going to give you a little bit of the cleft notes of, of what we talked about. But throughout these, this series, we've been asking the question of, what is the good life? How do I get the good life? And what does the good life do? In other words, so what? Why does it matter in 2016? Why does the good life matter? And so, like I said, if you missed any part of this, if you want to go catch up, you can go online to ecwesleyan.net. It's ecwesleyan.net. And if you're listening to this online, thank you for doing so. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, this has been something that, uh, that has been a, uh, a series that has given you life and given you perspective as, uh, as we talk about this thing called the good life. If you haven't listened yet... It's going to be up there from now until the cows come home. Now, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. I don't know what that means 33 years later, but I assume it's a, it's a pretty extensive period of time. Um, I was told in first service, I mean, and I should have thought about this, duh, we're in Wisconsin, the dairy state. You have cows, and so you also have that saying of, you know, that, you know, until the cows come home. It's a period of time. I'm not sure what it is, but it's going to be up there for a while. Cows are really slow. Anyway... <laughs> That's why you can push them over. I never did that. <laughs> they come home every, well, okay, it'll be up there longer than, than, uh, than that. More than 12 hours. It's going to be up there more than 12 hours. So in case you don't get it within the 12 hours, it's still going to be there. Anyway, so until the internet breaks down. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so to catch you up uh, from last Sunday, and, and if you remember this, if you remember this, I want you to say this with me, just so that we're all on the same page, or in case you've slept since then, 
Uh, if you've gotten one thing, you've brought one thing uh, from the last couple of weeks, it's the definition of what the good life is. And if you remember it, say it with me. The good life is you plus faith times Jesus and grace. One more time. The good life is you plus faith times Jesus and grace. One more time for good measure. The good life is you plus faith times grace. Excellent, excellent. So the good life is what happens when you point your faith in the direction of Jesus Christ. We all have faith in something. No matter where you are at, at, your, at your journey in life, we all trust something. We all put our faith or our confidence or our hope in something. And so what, what, I've, what I've shared with you is that, that wouldn't it be great wouldn't it be great if you took that faith that you have and had an, and that and your faith actually had an object a dependable immovable object that you could trust and you pointed your faith in that direction. And, and, so, and so when we talk about, uh, about Jesus multiplying our faith or just it's you plus faith times Jesus, what happens is that you're not simply adding to your faith. You're not just simply putting one more thing in a long list of, of, of checks, checks and balances of things to do in your day. You're exponentially multiplying the possibilities of what your faith can do because your faith now has an object. It now has, it now is pointed at something. And in all of this, and in all of this, we have the ability to, pay, to point our faith at Jesus because you and I have a heavenly father that loves us so much that he gave his son for us so that not only could we point our, uh, our, our, our faith in, in the direction of Jesus, but also he gives us this incredible gift. He gives us something that we could never earn and we could never deserve, a, a gift of unmerited favor. And there's a word for this. It's called grace. And we're given unmerited favor by God. Before we ever did anything to, to earn it or ever did anything to deserve it, God gave his grace for you and I. And one of the most beautiful things about the grace of God is that God makes it available to us where we are so that nobody, nobody, nobody is too far out of reach of the good life. And if you were here last week, I gave you a little bit of a, a doctor's note or a prescription for, the, for Christians on the steps necessary to living the good life. Life is messy, and we've got to acknowledge the messiness within our, and within our life. And, and if it doesn't take us looking very, very far to see that we live in a really, really messed up and messy world. And, and, and in the midst of the mess, we have to take inventory of, of what's on the inside and acknowledge that, that, that we can't do anything with that mess on our own. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to clean up a mess with a mess. What do you get? You get a mess. You get more of a mess. But when you invite Jesus into the mix and we acknowledge that this mess is something that I can't take care of myself, that I need Jesus in the middle of the mess, that he turns the mess into a miracle. 
And when he does this, when you see a life that is, has tr- been transformed 180 degrees, when, when, there is, when a life has been headed in, in a messy trajectory and you see a change, like what's the first thing that you want to know? Like what is the secret sauce? Like how did, you, how did you get out of that mess? How did things turn around for you? Because I know that I've got mess too and I'm maybe headed in the same direction as you are or you were. When we see life change like that happen, we want to know what happened, what changed. It's why, it's why redemption stories, whether it's like the scrappy basketball team or I don't know if you guys remember this a, a couple of years ago, there was, a, there was this phenomenal news story that went around about uh, the, the homeless man with a golden voice. Um, there was a, a dude that was living out on the streets that had like the perfect radio personality voice and somebody discovered him and, and he ended up having this, getting this job and, and it was just this, this beautiful story of redemption of like this person was picked up out of this thing and, and, and the life was, life was turned around for him then. But we take notice and people around us take notice when messes are turned into miracles, when stories when stories are used and, 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 and lives are transformed in dramatic ways or we're kept from situations that would have otherwise caused us to plummet. It's the grace of God at work. And people notice in stories like that. And so you and I have influence. We have stories. We all have a story of where we've been and, 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 uh, and, and when we invite Jesus into the middle of the mess, then we have a story of what Jesus has done and where we've gone from there. You are, and I'm gonna say this again and I will say this as many opportunities that it's relevant and that I get the opportunity to, you ne- will never fully understand the influence that you have and you are uniquely positioned in the places where you are and the relationships you are with influence. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you may be the only, you may be the only and you may be the clearest picture of Jesus that the people around you get to see. And so in the midst of the mess, we ask these questions of like, am I good? Are we good? Um, we're, we take inventory of the inside. We, we are accountable to each other. And we ask these questions so that God can come into the mess and, and do something with it. And it's not just that, and the good life is, once we, once we start living like that, we have to remember that, that just because I've received this grace and that I'm living in this grace and my life has been transformed, it's not about you anymore. Like just because I've been given grace doesn't mean that I hoard it and I hold on to it, but I give it away as well. That as a person who receives grace, I extend grace to other people. And yes, even other people who don't deserve it. And I can't do that by myself. I need Jesus in the middle of the mess to help me do this. And the good life, when it's not about you, it's about striving for what's great, not settling for what good, what's good enough. Because the good life, a life that's you plus faith times Jesus and grace, it, it's a life that we have to live together and it's a life, it's a life that, that's pointing us towards something that's far, far beyond what we're in the middle of right now. The good life lived here leads us to the good life 
in eternity. We can't get there by ourselves. We need each other. We need authentic relationships of accountability. We need loving relationships that encourage us and help us strive to be more and more like Jesus. And through all of this, we have a charge or we have this kind of like word of encouragement or like go get them sort of thing from, uh, from the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Titus. And Titus is ministering on this island. It's in the midst of a, a culture that's not too dissimilar from ours. It's messed up. There's fear. There's rumors of war. There's, there's politicking back and forth. And in the midst of this, Paul encourages Titus and then the people around Titus live lives of sound doctrine or solid belief so that our people or God's people can devote ourselves to living the good life so that we're ready to meet the urgent needs around us. And let's face it, there are a lot of them. And also so that we don't live unproductive lives, which is very easy to do if we choose to do Nothing. Remember, nobody, nobody, nobody wants to get to the end of their days and have their epitaph read, they lived an adequate life that impacted no one. And so the good life, the good life, that life that's you plus faith times Jesus and grace is a life that's actively pursuing what is good. So, this is what it is, and this is how we go about living it. So what, why does it matter? In, in 2016, in the, in the middle of our, of our Western culture, why does it matter here, here today? Well, last week I gave you, a, if, if last week was the prescription, if, if the prescription is, uh, is asking some of these, like, are we good questions and being accountable and being in a relationship with, a, with one another, what is the result from that? But before I answer that question, I have another question that I want to ask you. How many of you can dance? You think you can dance? Okay, we've got far less people actually in this service that have admitted that they can dance. Okay, um, keep your hand up. Okay, if you are sitting next to a person that has their hand up, can they actually dance? <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably the, yeah, that's a little bit more of the real question. Uh, I'll share why that's relevant in just a minute here. He doesn't know. I, yeah, yeah. I, I understand, Trent. I understand. More than you know. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, share a little bit. I'll share a little bit more about why I asked that question here in, in just a minute. But I'm going to let Paul answer the, the original question of what this looks like or what this good life does uh, when, when we live it out. Um, we're going to have the, the words up on the screen here. If you don't have a, a Bible, we're going to, but if you do, we're going to be in Titus chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be starting at verse 11 and going through verse 14. We're going to dig into this together to answer this question. It's Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. So this is about 2004, 
and uh, and I am in I am in my third year of of college, and uh, and. I was, I was heading home for a, a break at the end of, uh, of a year of, of college, and, uh, and I was reconnecting with, with some old friends. I had, I had reconnected with some friends from high school, some friends that I had known, gotten to know through, um, through events, through the, the church, through our, our church district. Um, and uh, and during, during this period of time, I, I ran into a, a girl that I had known uh, throughout, uh, throughout high school, uh, you know, going to these different events and stuff like that, never really connected too much, but but I saw her uh, and uh, at this one at this one district event, and uh, and we ch- exchanged contact information. Said, hey, let's get together. Let's see, let's see, you know, kind of what happens, and, and let's uh, let's hang out, get to know each other a little better. Now that the years have kind of gone by a little bit, and 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 so you know, as a as a college guy with no perspectives on the the horizon, I'm like, well, this is awesome. This is awesome. Let's go. Let's go do this. And uh, and so decided that one one day I was going to drive out there. We're going to spend the day together. And uh, and as we were coming up to the to that day, she said, you know, hey, I just want to let you know that that later on in that evening I have dance lessons. You're welcome to join if you'd like, um, but no pressure. And so I'm thinking, okay, challenge accepted. You know, what do I have to lose? Except my dignity. So, you know, I show up to this lesson and, and it's her and two of her friends and, you know, that, we had no, that we had known through, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a Bible quizzing competition, competition called Wesleyan Bible Bowl. We kind of known each other through that. And, and so I show up and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm, my hope is that, you know, because she's been in the class, you know, and I know nothing, that she's going to teach me how to dance. Thinking like, how could I possibly lose in this situation? Well, I could possibly lose in this situation because I was not paired with her. I was actually paired with an elderly woman um, trying to learn the East Coast swing. (laughs) Now, I grew up on the East Coast, and so I'm thinking, okay, East Coast swing is, you know, something like this. You know, I'm swinging my (laughs) limbs around. That's, that's That's swing dance, right? Like, I know nothing. No, absolutely nothing. And so I'm paired, you know, this, with this lady. She's very, very patient with me. And I, I remember leaving there thinking, this was possibly one of the, the worst decisions that I could have made if I was ever trying to impress this girl. It's not going to happen. By, you know, and, and so fortunately, God had other plans for me. And, uh, and that, uh, that day will go down in a, in a day of infamy as, uh, as something that I'm very scarred about still to this very day. And it's a challenge for me to dance if it's not more than, you know, something like this. But anyway, I, I digress. So in this passage, in this passage, we see what, uh, there, we see what happens when we live the, the good life and when, when we receive that grace that's available from God, that's available for all people, it, it, gives, us, it, it gives us a way to, to fix our eyes and our faith in Jesus. And there's this great dance that begins. When, when God has offered his grace to us, there's this great dance that begins and remember, remember when we start, when we start this dance or when you start receiving that grace from God and it starts to transform you that the word gets out. This is number one in your outline. The word, the word gets out. 
Something is, is taking place. Something is happening. There is an event that we're all invited to. It's a great, great dance. And when we arrive at this dance, we have to do, we have to do uh, one thing, and that's, that's number one. We all choose dance partners. But here's the thing. You have a selection of two partners to choose from. You have a selection of two partners to choose from. And number two, your partner and their style will determine, your, the, your partner and their style determines the steps. I don't know if you knew this, but different dances have different types of steps. I learned that. I learned that an East Coast swing is not the same as a West Coast swing. That it's not the same as a waltz. That's not the same as a jive. That's not the same as a jitter. But they all have different steps to them. There's different movement. And usually, within each one of those movements, somebody is leading. Somebody is taking the steps to lead. And there are two different dances. As there are two different dance partners. And dependent on the partner we choose and the dance that we choose to dance, the outcome is two totally different things. You see, we all start life in a place where we are already dancing with one of these partners. We're already dancing, but because of this, this word that, that Paul gives to Titus, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. Because that grace and that salvation has appeared, it let her be, it gives the option to let Jesus or to let Christ cut in. It gives the option to let Christ cut in. Like I said, there are two types of dances and there are two different dance partners. The first one that's the one that we're kind of born into is the world's endless waltz. A, a waltz is three steps and they're three repetitive steps. And, and whether you move around a room or whatever, there, there are three main steps within, within this dance and it's usually repetitive and, and pretty predictable. But the world's endless waltz is a, is a waltz that we're kind of born into because the, the scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all born into this broken world. We're all born into brokenness. And so we're given, we're given a partner of brokenness when we come into this world. And the three steps of this dance are, are firstly temptation. You and I, as part of the human race, we all face temptation in something. And what tempts you may not tempt the person sitting next to you. And what tempts the person sitting next to you may not be the thing that tempts me. Now, we have this, we have this fantastic tendency to kind of compare things and say, well, at least I'm not tempted by that. Like, I'm, I'm okay with my temptation. Like, I can totally talk about people, but man, like, God, thank you that I'm not gay. Like how often, how often do we do stuff like that? But there's, there's temptation though that we all experience in this, in this endless waltz and, and usually that temptation which is part of the human experience, it's part of the brokenness that we have usually leads to sin. 
Now, temptation, let me, let me be clear here. Temptation itself is not a sin. What you choose to do with it, how you choose to act on that or act that out, that is when that thing becomes a sin. And what sin is, is sin is a violation or a breach of relationship with God. Actually, John Wesley put it this. He said that sin is a transgression of a known law of God. In other words, we know we know that there are things that we ought not to do and yet we still kind of go out and we do those things anyway. When we choose that path, we choose to breach relationship with God. We choose to put distance between, between us and, and God. And it usually leads to the third step, which is guilt. You know, each and every one of us we have those stories that we share, like the, they're, they're the, the conversation breaker stories, the icebreaker stories where we're, you know, we share those funny fail moments of like, yeah, you know, my idiot roommate did this, this thing and I was a part of it and haha, we laugh about, we laugh about you know, that, that stuff. Or, you know, I made a chili that, um, you know, that almost blew people's brains out and, you know, we can laugh about those things. Those are good failures. We, you know, we, we joke about those failures and, and stuff like that, but, but isn't it true that, that each and every one of us have had moments where we're like, man, I hope nobody discovers that. Man, man I hope I deleted my search history. Man, I hope nobody uh, Instagrammed that. Man, I hope nobody got a picture of that. Don't, isn't it true that like we all have had things in our lives that are regrettable things and guilt kind of comes in there and, and what do we usually do with guilt? We kind of stuff it down or we like medicate it with more temptation and more sin and then we experience more guilt and then we experience more temptation and sin and guilt until suddenly like guilt just we become numb to it. And we find ourselves in places where we're so separated from God that we're just heading in a direction of self-destruction and ultimately leading to death and ultimate separation from God. But the hope that each and every one of us has is that we don't have to continue this dance. We can allow Jesus Christ to cut in and then it, it changes from the, from the world's endless waltz to Jesus' jive, which is, it's full of life. He offers so much in life and it's energetic and it's contagious. Because you know, what's, you know what are the identifying characteristics of the dance that Jesus leads? So one, it's a dance that's trustworthy. It's proven. It's, it's, a, it's, a trustworthy, it's a trustworthy thing. Jesus' character you can take to the bank. The, the, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews says, says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That, that while we may change and while circumstances may change, Jesus will remain the same from now until the cows come home. And that's more than 12 hours. Jesus is trustworthy in his steps. And in that trustworthiness, as we follow his lead, he teaches us how to be self-controlled. Did you know that Jesus experienced temptation as well? 
Like, I think this is one of those things about the, the person of Jesus that really confirms that thing that the author of Hebrews also says, that in Christ we have a great high priest or a mediator between us and God that understands what it's like to live, that understands what it's like to walk in our shoes. If you were to boil things down to the elemental level of the things that Jesus experienced, it's the things that we experience on a day-to-day. How many of you in this last week, you've experienced heartache, you've experienced loss, you've experienced maybe betrayal, you've experienced the joy of, of celebrating with family and friends, you experience that relationship with other people, you experience hunger, you experience sadness, you experience the gamut of emotion. And Jesus himself, as we look at his life, we see that he experienced these things as well. And in his temptation, in his temptation, he didn't sin. Which leads us to the third step. As we follow his leading in self-control, he teaches us how to be godly or holy. You can write one of the two of those down there. If you want to match alphabetically with the ones before, you go with godly. But, um, but when we talk about holiness, and this is, a, this is a term that we throw around in the church, but the term holiness means set apart or, or holy other. God is holy in his purity. He's holy in his love. He's holy in his goodness. And as we follow his steps, he teaches us how to do the same thing. There's this, there's this thing that this doctrine or this belief that has floated around in Wesleyan circles for years. It's a, it's a thing called entire sanctification. And, and what entire sanctification is, is it, it, it and I had, a, I had to sit down with a theology professor to explain this to me because I, I kind of like, I wrestled with this thing because initially what I thought was like, I just have, you know, it just means that one day like I wake up and I'm perfect and that's not what it is. It's that like in every single day, as you are choosing the dance with Jesus, that you are falling more and more in love in this relationship, and there's nothing that you would want to do to cause division within that relationship, and which is what sin does. And so when it's the choice between do I want to sin, do I want to have it my way, and do I want to divide myself from the best thing that ever happened to me, or do I want to trust Jesus and follow him, the, 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 the option is there to say, hey, you know what? No, I don't want that because I know exactly where it leads and we can follow hard after Jesus and the more and more that we do that the more that we get into step with where he's moving and how the rhythm is actually going and it's a rhythmic thing the Christian life is a rhythmic thing I think oftentimes we we get the understanding that's maybe just rules that we just have like this set of rules that, you know, okay, rule number one is you show up on Sunday. Rule number two is, you know, don't swear. Rule number, th- you know, we've got this list of, of rules and stuff that we're like, okay, we gotta check these things off. But here's the thing. The good life, the Christian life, is less marchy and it's more dancey. So let her see. The Christian life is less marchy and more dancey. I, I know those aren't actual words, but I was homeschooled, so you can kind of give me some grace in that. The Christian life is less marchy, it's more dancey, it's, it's more rhythmic. We see this rhythm in scripture 
of this relationship versus ritual. And the good life is about rolling with these rhythms and not getting ourselves so worn out on regulation. Because you see, the number one, number one, the Christian life is less rigid when you learn that rhythm. I love looking at the life of Jesus because his life had rhythm to it. You saw these moments where Jesus would... He would be, you know, preaching and teaching and, and doing ministry uh, to large groups of people. And then he had small groups of people that he would be with and he'd be interacting with. And then, and then he, would, he would take these times away and he would spend time with the Father and he would spend time in, in, in prayer. And, and then you would see him spend time with his, with his closest friends. He had the, of, of all the people that were following him, he had the 12. And then in the, in the midst of the 12, there were three that he was really close to and one that he was super close out of all of those and 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 so he had these moments of relationship with God and with others and with meeting needs and it's this it's this dance it's this rhythm that's kind of this back and forth of of just sliding gracefully into these different places so over the years I've watched my sister uh, develop a love for dance uh, she started at a, at a young age in, in gymnastics and really liked that kind of tumbling and the, the rhythmic nature uh, of gymnastics and then kind of slid in from there to, uh, to some ballet and, and, uh, and, and then to other schools within dance of, you know, like hip hop and Zumba and, and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and I, was, I was talking to her this week as I was, as I was planning and I asked her, you know, hey, Christiane, um, when, when, you, when you switch schools, when you were switching between like disciplines of dance and schools and stuff like that, did you find it difficult or did you find there was like an adjustment period within that where like you're still trying to do the thing that your previous teacher taught you? And she's like, absolutely, because each teacher that I've worked with has a different style of teaching. There was, one, there was one school that she was a part of that was very strict, very rigid, had that like kind of Russian like mindset of, like when it came to ballet, like, you know, here are the steps and then, you know, you have to follow the steps and if you don't get the steps, then, then you fail and you're wrong and, 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 and she's like, and I, so I found myself just like, you know, just rigidly, you know, checking off, okay, this, I have this, you know, particular, uh, I have this position down and I have this technique down and, and, and now, oh, I've got to remember to do this thing over here and she's like, it just kind of became this like kind of stop and start sort of thing where this, this where it, it was it was like trying to do one thing and then remembering that I had to do this other thing and, and it wasn't really rhythmic she's like and then I changed then I changed schools and and uh, and I had another teacher that that was that taught totally different and I had to learn their teaching style and 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 as they taught as they taught the moves like this is this is what it looked like and and she's like yeah she's like even now when I when I try a new discipline when I try a new discipline of dance that there's always an adjustment period I'm always trying to remember where the steps are she's like but eventually I learn that there's a rhythm within it that even in the techniques, it's rhythmic. And so I roll with that rhythm. You know, each one of us, you know, whatever our experience has been, has had a leader. We've all been discipled or mentored in, into something. And, and maybe when it comes to the Christian life, you've seen, you've seen that the Christian life has just been this very rigid thing that's very, you know, it's, that we have to follow this, this structural thing um, and, and we have to make sure that we, you know, we're, we're on the right 
we, we have just the right, we take the, just the right steps and, and, and we can't step too far. And, 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 and in the midst of that, we're trying to lead or we really need to allow Jesus to lead. When we dance instead of march, we allow Jesus to lead. This is point number two. So when we, when we dance, we allow Jesus to lead. Why? Well, firstly, Jesus doesn't have two left feet. He knows the rhythm. He knows the rhythm. And number two, he knows the correct steps. Jesus knows the right rhythm and the correct steps for us to dance well in relationship with God. And it's not a rigid thing when we're following in this, when we're following him within it and we see the rhythm of relationship that there is with him. And you know, there's an adjustment period for all of us when we start doing this. But the beautiful thing is point number three is that he wipes our history clean. So those bad experiences, those, those moments of, you know, I may not have quite gotten this right. The grace of Jesus and the salvation of God has come to you and is available to you right where you're at. And actually, the, psalm, the psalmist writes that in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us or our sin from us. The thing of it is, though, is you have to let him lead. You can't lead the steps because you don't know him. You have to allow Jesus to lead the dance. And maybe for you, maybe for you, you've been in a place where you're like, I'm trying to do this thing and I'm trying to get all the steps right and I just keep feel like I keep failing at it, at it over and over and over again. I keep falling or I keep stepping on my partner's feet. I want to give you some hope here this morning. Jesus says this, and Matthew records this, and uh, Jesus saying this, and I love the, the way that the message uh, translation puts this. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. The good life is a, light of, a life of lightness because when Jesus is the focus of my faith and I'm living in the grace that he's given to me and I'm giving that grace away freely. There's a rhythm to it. As we follow Jesus. But remember, you choose your dance partner. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to, uh, to meet a young couple uh, Dominic and Maddie Gibbs, and 
Uh, they were a part of a band that came to our youth camp and, and uh, led worship for us a couple of years. And they came back and did a concert for us. And, and uh, shortly after uh, Dominic met Maddie, he wrote this song for her. And the chorus of the song says, I don't want to dance. No, I don't want to dance. I don't want to dance if it's not with you. Friends, I don't want to dance. I don't want to dance unless it's with Jesus. Because he knows the steps. It's within him that there's a rhythm of grace. And by following his leading, he teaches us to say no. He teaches us to say no to everything that would be destructive to us, the sin that would separate us. And wouldn't it be better, wouldn't it be better if we let the person who knew the dance and knew the music lead the dance? Let's pray. God, this morning, this can be encouraging um, if we find ourselves in a place where things have just been rigid. God, I, I, ask, that, uh, I ask this morning that um, as we reflect on, on this passage and these, and these words to, to Titus, that our response would, uh, would be uh, simply to let you lead us. God, you are sovereign over all things. You are in control over all things. And we ask that, that we would let you have that sovereignty within us. God, as we take some time to, to sing the song in closing, the same song that we've done the last, last two weeks, sovereign over us. God, I, I pray that it would be more than just a song, but it would be our our call to you that are to, to, uh, to ask you to give you permission to be sovereign over us, to lead us towards the good life. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we say this is, uh, this is week three here, which means that we have one more week if my math is right. So make sure that you don't miss next week of the good life. And remember as you go here this morning, Remember as you go to dance with Jesus, as you add to your faith, as you add to yourself faith that's multiplied by him and the grace that he not only has for you, but the grace that you are equipped to give out to others as well. Be blessed as you go here this morning. <laughs>